0: Begin our time of worship as we sing together our opening praise. It's the hymn 663. There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing sent from the Savior above. We sang this at the early morning prayer meeting so those that were there really had a good sing and are able to help us out as we worship God today. Let's sing it with all of our hearts. soon. Let's read God's Word as we find it in the Psalm 137. I was thinking about the, the setting of this psalm and the, the lamentation in it of Israel and I was thinking about our Ukrainian brethren and sisters. It's not the same. Uh, you can't draw the parallel. Israel was taken from their homeland of Israel. They were brought into Babylon. They sat down at the river in Babylon and they lamented. The fact that they weren't in Israel, that they were in a foreign country, and our friends have come from their land, they've come to our land, and I'm sure there's many times that there's sorrow in their heart too, but may the Lord give them His joy and peace. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there, they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her coming. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. We'll buy together. Seek the Lord in prayer. We've been lamenting already today, both in the, the little video that went out this morning and in the early season of prayer, that there is a very serious decline in, and I'm using the broad sense of the word religion here in Northern Ireland and uh, as we said, it, it, does not, it has not um, escaped the evangelical world. Right across the board in every denomination, we read nothing but decline, 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 as far as the figures in the census is concerned. And that is alarming. And as we've said, it's only the Lord can turn the tide. It's only the Lord can bring about the changes that we need. And so we need to be much in prayer for revival in these days. And I trust that you'll pray often. And in every prayer meeting, there'll be cries going up. Lord, send us revival. Send the showers of blessing that we've been singing about. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our gracious Father, this is your house and we are your people. We come here principally to meet with our God in worship, in praise, and adoration. We come to sit at the feet of the Savior because we're coming to his word. We come to choose that better part that Mary chose. When the Lord came to that home in Bethany, Mary sat at the feet of Christ. And Jesus spoke of how that was the better part. she had chosen that. And Lord, we come this day to, in a similar fashion, sit at your feet when we come to your word. We want to learn from thee. We want to hear what the Lord is saying to our hearts. And so we pray that throughout this service, the voice of God will be heard, not just in the sermon, but in every part In the hymns we sing, in the reading of your word, in prayer, in preaching, oh, that the ear would be open to hear. Jesus said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto him. Lord, we want that kind of ear. Sometimes we speak about the Lord putting an ear on our heart, because that's where we need to hear principally not just in these minds of ours, but what is God saying to our hearts today? And to receive that Word and to to understand it, to act upon it, not to be just the hearer of the Word, but the doer of the Word. We come, Lord, as we've said in lamentation, as we think of the decline of religion in this island, in this northern part of the island, as we have looked at the census figures. And Lord, we, we know that our only survival is God. We know unless the Lord steps in, the trend will continue. Departure from church will continue. And Lord, we're crying today for an intervention of the Almighty, for God to come and visit the nation certainly But Lord, visit this part where we live. The 1859 revival came about as people got together to pray, first the four men and then others that joined them and they cried fervently and continually until the Lord came. And he did suddenly, wonderfully, miraculously, visiting Kells and Connor on into other parts of County Antrim and right across right across these counties, moving, convicting, bringing many to Christ. Lord, you are the same God. You've said in your word, I am the Lord, I change not. And therefore, what you did in 1859, you're able to do today. You're able to do in any country. You're able to do in any life, in any church, in any community. And Lord, we think of our own town where we live, this district where you've placed us to be a witness. Oh, that God Almighty would move in our land. Draw your people to yourself and set the church of Jesus Christ on fire. And may we burn a light for God in our day and generation. May we be that witness that God has intended us to be And use us, Lord, even to the multitudes around us coming, Lord Christ, the Savior. Bless this church. Fill these pews. Lord, bring in families to sit in these seats, to listen to your word. Lord, we believe with all of our heart today that thou art able. Give us confidence, therefore, going forward, going forward in the work generally going forward in the work specifically as we think of the mission coming up very soon. Make it a saving time. Make it a time of God's right hand. Lord, show thyself as a mighty God and mighty to save. Thou art able. Save our families. Save our friends at this time. Save our neighbors, work colleagues, school companions. Oh, Father, intervene, we pray. Remember the situation in Ukraine. Lord, we hear of the rise of an additional army. We pray that you will frustrate those plans. We believe God is doing that already. We pray that you'll protect your people that are there. Member missionaries, member pastors, member churches that are seeking to be faithful to the Lord in the proclamation of the Word in the midst of war. We pray, Lord, that Thou will bless the labor of their hand and bring this war to an end for Your honor and glory. Bless our brethren and sisters here. You know their hearts every day. You know their needs. And we thank You that we come to a great God of supply. We've seen miracles happen. We've done wonderful things. Lord, continue to bless them in the midst of sorrow. We pray that you'll remember the sick of the church, those that have been prayed for already at the early time. We just bring them to thee just now, especially those that are still in hospital and those that are recovering from, from surgery, that the good hand of the Lord will be upon them to, to strengthen them every day. Bless tonight's meeting. Thank you for our students and as they prepare to go back to study, be with them. Give us a good time tonight in your house. Bless your word. Bless the greetings that our students will bring. Remember those that will come to sing. May everything be done to your glory. And may the Lord be honored. Bless what has already taken place this day in Sunday school and Bible class. Thank thee for the children that sit to listen and to learn from thee. We covet everyone for your honor and glory that they might be saved and that they might walk with God. Bless our young people we are thinking of that great crowd of young people on Friday night. Lord, we just bow in in humility and thanksgiving for for bringing so many young people together, especially in a day of great worldliness and and so many temptations out there to, to bring them away from God, to bring them away from church. Lord, we pray that you'll protect them, that you'll put a hedge around them, and bless them and make them a mighty witness just where they are. Remember those that have returned or are returning to university, our children to school, those that have great changes in their life, maybe starting anew somewhere, Lord be with them and protect them from the wiles of the devil, we pray, and from the world and from the flesh too, for Jesus' sake. Amen. And amen. A very warm word of welcome in the Savior's precious name to you and to those that are joining us on the Internet. Tonight, as we've mentioned, is the valedictory service for our students returning to Bible College. Two of them are returning. Uh, Jonathan, he has finished his course. He has come through. He's graduated. He's ready to serve the Lord wherever the Lord will have him. Pray for him. He's preaching away today. The Montgomery Singers will be here to minister in song And I'll be bringing a word, I believe, from the Lord. Refreshments will be served after the meeting is over. And we're asking our ladies, if you just note this little announcement, to bring half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns. Tomorrow night, there is an evening of gospel praise. Our brother Desi is with us today, Desi and Daphne. We bid them welcome, and uh, good to see them. We also have visitors from Hillsborough and we welcome them in the Savior's name. This is uh, connected with Desi in the Lodge Hotel, and there are various ones taking part by way of singing, including Pastor Valentin and his family. Eric Stewart will be speaking at that. So that's tomorrow night at 7.30. Monday night also is the time to, to get our pallet packed for shipping to Romania. And if you're free at 7 o'clock onwards, We do need your help. If you can come into the church, we'd appreciate that. Thursday night is a deputation service for Uncle Alvarez from Spain. He'll be coming to speak, give a report, and there is a DVD presentation also. Friday night is Youth Fellowship at 8 o'clock. Young people, keep up the attendance. Bring others with you. We were just so amazed and uh, I suppose encouraged to see you all there on Friday evening and to have some of our Ukrainian young people there. That was a blessing. Friday night is a 60th anniversary dinner for the Missionary Council. I'm just announcing that it has not been open to everyone. It's for the Missionary Council Mission Board and those that have been connected very closely with the Missionary Council over the years. That will take place in the Martyrs Memorial on Friday evening. Saturday is the open air in the center of our town at 11 o'clock. If you can come and stand with us in this public witness, we would appreciate your presence. Saturday is also the church barbecue and the back to Sunday school fun day from three o'clock until seven. And the children received these invitations at Sunday school this morning. There are some extra ones. If you'd like to take them, they're at the back of the church in the porch as you come in there, or as you're leaving the house of God today. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting is at 8 o'clock, the Sabbath school at 10.30. Bible class at quarter to 11. Mervyn will be speaking on the wonder of God's Word. The Bible's perfection is the first subject that he'll be speaking on. Worship service at 12 noon, followed by the Lord's table as we sit together remembering the death of Christ. And then in the evening of the lord's table we always have an office bearer's time of prayer at 5 30. next sunday night is the sending forth service for our sister miss nori mcafee as she returns to uganda and the chairman of the subcommittee responsible for uganda the reverend mcmillan will be here and he will preach the word and encourage our sister as she goes back can i mention the harvest thanksgiving services it's not September, that's the wrong date, it's October, uh, so just discard that, I'm still living here in September, but it's the 8th and 9th of October, and it's the Saturday night and the Sunday morning this year, because we've moved the mission. The mission then commences from the 9th to the 23rd of October, okay? Please remember that, pray for it. Thank you for your tithes and offerings to the work of God, today's whole mission Outreach Envelopes, and next week is Let the Bible Speak Envelopes, and the Missionary Covenant Support. The Vision Magazine is available. Now, this is a special uh, um, extra copy of the Vision Magazine. It's not the regular monthly one. This is a special one uh, to mark Queen Elizabeth II's passing. And so, it's, it's um, not, not just as involved as far as the volume is concerned, but there are some good articles there to read that you will find interesting. There is a copy for every family, so please make sure and take a copy. The current magazine is also available. I don't think I brought it over this morning. They're sitting in my house, but those who subscribe to that, you can get your copy later today. Please remember the sick of the church. We have been praying for them. Mervyn Taylor is back in the hospital. Remember Mervin. And Mrs. Kyle is in hospital. Remember her as well. And her sister, Mrs. Jean Macaulay, is still recovering in hospital. And then the others, of course, are much upon our minds in prayer. Uh, Paulina, she continues to recover at home. Ivor likewise and these others that we're praying for. Remember Hossie particularly. Tomorrow is a big day for him because he begins his chemotherapy treatment. Pray that the Lord will help him through all that he has to face. Some other prayer requests. Um, I'm thinking of Ukraine in these days, and I want you to remember Pastor Valentin and our brothers and sisters here in Vallamoney that have settled with us for a time. I want you to remember Pastor Nikolai as he continues to serve the Lord. His wife is with us. Remember Yuri, that is Tanya's brother on the front line, young man of 25. And remember the other Yuri, Yuri Boshko. that's Vika's husband, he's a volunteer. We think of House of Hope, we think of the light of the Gospel Church, we think of Faith in Action, the Slavic Gospel Association, the Romanian pastors and leaders that are doing all these trips into Ukraine with help, the Sloan family and other faithful Christians. They ought to be much upon our minds and hearts. Can I congratulate Raymond, who's with us today. Uh, he has reached that moment in his life where he became an octogenarian. I'd like to mention that name, that word, and he celebrated his birthday, his 80th birthday, just on Monday past. So trust the Lord will bless him. Can I congratulate another member of the church who's further away, Hubert Larravee, who lives in Connecticut, tunes into us every Lord's Day. part of the fellowship here, member of the church, and he celebrated his 85th birthday in the past week. So, Huber, the Lord bless you and give you energy and strength to continue and to fight the good fight of faith. This is from the Reverend Timothy Nelson with the commencement of another term. The students' meeting begins again at Tyndale I ask you to make any of your young people studying at, and these are the Belfast universities, whether it's Queen's or the Ulster or Stranmillis, uh, he wants you to know that these have recommenced. There will be an informal icebreaker held next Wednesday, the 28th of September at 8 p.m. with the regular biweekly meeting commencing the following week, the 5th of October. Details and dates will be posted on the students' meeting Facebook page. There is a ladies' convention in Dungannon. It will take place on Monday, the 24th of October at 8 o'clock. And if you're going, if you'd like to go, you're a lady, you're welcome. Callum Webster from the Christian Institute will be speaking, and Jonathan Logan and others will be singing. And ladies, if you're attending, they need to know for catering purposes, there's a sheet at the door, also for possible transport, if there's enough of you who would like to have transport let on, put your name, and then on the right-hand side, there's a space, just ticket, that you require transport that night. I have something, before we sing, I have something very special to show you. Um, some of have seen this already. It's to do with Sunday school this morning, and it's to do with our most junior class. So you're in for a really good treat I know as I show three little videos. And maybe parents here, you, you haven't seen this yet. It's very possible. But first of all, Gracie. And Gracie is just three years of age. Have we got volume? So we're going to have to try that again. Um, I'm not too sure. Sometimes we have that. Difficulty was signed. We'll try it again. That's a pity. There's nobody running to your rescue, John. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyhow, they they are quoting a verse of scripture off by heart, and uh, Samuel's away to the rescue there. So thank you, Samuel. There's one announcement I could make that's not on the the PowerPoint, and uh, that is Clocker Valley. Next Lord's Day will be broadcasting live on BBC Radio Ulster. So at least there'll be something good going out next Lord's Day uh, in the morning for that program broadcasting our uh, service there. So you might want to tune in before you come to church. We're going to try it once more.
1: Says in John chapter 3, verse 7, more for more, I said unto thee, He must be born again.
0: Wow, that is amazing, Gracie. That is. A- we have another.
1: The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 7, more for more, I said unto thee, we must be born again.
0: Wow. One more.
1: My you must be born again. Brilliant. <laughs> That's great.
0: Amen. It's good. <laughs> it's good for parents to know when their children come to the church, they're going to be taught God's word. Uh, they're not going to sit and and color in books or, and have no spiritual input, as we hear of other Sunday schools and other denominations, they're going to come and they're going to learn. They're going to learn the things of God. And uh, this, is, this is an encouragement that even the smallest children are committing to memory the Scriptures of truth. We're going to sing a hymn. It'll not take us long to sing the hymn. There's just three little verses, okay? And the, the tune in the book is not familiar. So, We're actually going to sing it to a different tune. And in this different tune, there's only one verse of the tune. So as long as I keep moving uh, from verse to verse, you'll be all right. And it's Jesus. Stand among us in thy risen power. Let this time of worship be a hallowed hour. That's our prayer as we come to the Word of God today. That's not the scene. Of Matthew in the chapter 8. Coming back to our study in this gospel, I've also received word that the current magazines will be with you today. So Andrew has nipped over to get them and they'll be at the door. If you uh, get that magazine, you subscribe to it, your copy will be there. Now let's read just the next little section Mark chapter 8, verse 10, reading through to verse 13. We pray that God will speak through His Word, speak through the reading, that He will bless our time of study. Uh, There are some thoughts in this passage that I want to leave with you. I didn't want to skip over this little part. And straightway, He entered into a ship with His disciples and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with Him seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them. And entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. As I was thinking about the next message in the Gospel of Mark, I I thought of this passage, the seeking of a sign from heaven. And these men that come to Christ on this occasion, that's what they sought for. So we're going to think about what we can learn and apply to our hearts with these Pharisees coming to Christ and what the answer of the Savior was and what happened then as the Lord left that area. Let's pray, first of all. Gracious Father, we commit ourselves to Thee in the Word. We thank You for the Scriptures of truth. We thank You that Your Word is able to make us wise on the salvation. We're glad that there's a, a very strong gospel application for men and women to hear today in this message. And we pray that everyone will sit up and everyone will have that prayer of heart speak to me. We pray that the Spirit of God will be our teacher, that He will infill this preacher. Give me words to say. Give me a clear mind. Give me a, a heart that is filled with compassion. Give me the power of God. Oh Lord, hear us as we call upon your name for Christ's sake. Amen. After the mighty miracle of feeding the 4,000 the Lord gets into a ship again and He travels across the Sea of Galilee from Decapolis to Dalmanusa. He is confronted here by the Pharisees who were not there to compliment Christ or to hear Him gladly or even simply to to see Him, to see what He would do or to listen to what He had to say. No, these men came, as the Scripture says, tempting Him. They were not His friends. They were His enemies. Their aim and their goal was to attack Christ, to do Him damage, to stop His ministry, and to stop the furtherance and advancement of His kingdom. In other words, they were doing the devil's work. We always need to be very careful in what we do that we don't do the work of Satan. And the policy of the devil is to damage the witness of Christ and to destroy his reputation. Never, ever be guilty of doing that. These men were sign seekers, as we shall see. The Lord's annoyed with them. He was amazed at their unbelief, and the, the, the brazenness of these religious leaders. The story, I think, finishes in sorrow and disappointment, For we read in verse 13, he left them and he departed to the other side. I don't want to read anything unnecessarily into this passage, but I believe that there's something here that is very tragic in these words, which I will explain in, and elaborate upon in a few minutes. All kinds of people came to Christ and they came for all kinds of reasons. The sick came to be healed. The possessed came to be delivered. The curious came to be enlightened. The seeking came to be instructed. The hungry came to be fed and the critic came to find fault. The Pharisees were among the critics. They should have known better, for they were religious leaders. They were conversant with spiritual things. They had the oracles of God. They had knowledge. They had education. They had insight. But alas, they were, as the Lord called them, so often blind leaders of the blind. They did not know nor did they desire to know. Today, people still come to church for all kinds of reasons. Some come out of habit. They come every Sunday, and they keep up that habit. It's a good habit to have, by the way. Some come because it's the way that they've been brought up. Their parents brought them to church, sat with them in church, taught them it's the right thing to do, and so they've they've continued with that. There are some that they come because they like the singing. They like the form of service. Some come to meet with their friends. Some come to please other people. Some come because they've made a promise to a family member or a friend. Some come because they want to learn. They want to sit at the feet of Christ and receive instruction from Him. Some come because they want to worship Almighty God. Some are there to honor the Lord with their obedience because the Lord has commanded it. Some are there for the fellowship of those, with those of like precious faith. All true Christians are churchgoers because they know it in their heart is the right thing to do. They know that God not only demands it, but God Desires it. They have a solemn duty and a solemn obligation to be there in the house of God, and they feel the benefit. And there ought to be a benefit, and there is a benefit in coming to God's house. Even the unconverted come to church, and that's a good thing. And I I pray that more will come. I've been praying that, that people in and around this area will come in and fill these pews, not just Christians coming in. Christians ought to be here but men and women from this town coming in to listen to the Word of God. We want to see the pews occupied. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and there's little or no chance of a man who is sitting at home being acquainted with Christ and his gospel. There's little chance of that man being saved. Let's be honest about that because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The man that excludes himself from the Gospel and doesn't hear the message of Christ and his need to be saved is not going to come to know the Lord. Well, we do pray that someone will be sent. Some tract will be given to him. He'll read it and, and he'll be pricked in his mind and heart about the things of God. Or some evangelist, some preacher, some church worker will be sent to their door. Some friend will witness to them. But... Really and truthfully, today, those that don't come and sit in their home are unlikely to come to Christ. It is our prayer that in coming to church and listening to God's word, that men and women will be enlightened, and that they will be taught, and that they will be brought to the Saviour. May be so even today, even here, as you listen. Maybe you're not a Christian. You're not saved. May this be the day when you meet Christ. Or if you're listening in on the internet, likewise, that you will come to trust in the Lord. There is a group of people like these Pharisees who, who come to church for the wrong reasons. Some might be numbered among the critic and the fault finder. I don't think that we have any in church this morning. But there are those, and that's all they go to church for, to find fault. Others are present out of habit and curiosity. And, of course, it's good that they come. I am so pleased that, that you are here today. If you're not in Christ, you're not a true believer, I am delighted that in these days of darkness and disinterest that you have at least the determination to come to church. It's really amazing when you think about the decline in the country. And we've mentioned in, in the service already about the decline. And I was absolutely and me is when I, I read those statistics, the figures that are given by the census, every church that was mentioned decline, 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 and yet there are still men and women that, that come and they sit and listen to the Word of God, even though they 're not saved. The real tragedy is that you might come here, you meet with Christ, you hear His word, you listen to the gospel, and you never come to true faith in the Savior. Oh, that you might be found among the number, that you might not be found among the number that the Lord leaves, like in this passage of Scripture, and departs from, perhaps forever, to have such a word written over your life, and he left them, don't let it happen to you. You come to Christ while you may. You will not always have the opportunity to come to Christ. That's why the Scripture exhorts you. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And when the gospel is preached, when Christ is presented, the Lord undoubtedly is near. He is near to speak. He is near to save. He's near to bring sinners unto himself. That is the time to come to Christ because in that very text there is at least the suggestion there's coming the day when the Lord will not be near that the Lord will not be found. You be very careful that you get to Christ before that day comes upon you. Learn from these Pharisees who came forth this day to meet with Christ to converse with Him and yet there's nothing happens in their life to bring them to the Savior and the Savior leaves you want to learn. I want you to see and learn, first of all, the encounter with Christ. These men had an encounter. And we read it in verse 11. The Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. The Lord has, has just arrived with his disciples in this region called Dalmanusa. Among the crowd that that met him on the shore were these Pharisees. I don't know how many there were in number, but there were a few of them. Maybe even they were a delegation that had been sent by other Pharisees. And for this brief moment, they have an encounter with Christ. They have an audience with him, the Savior, the Lord the King of kings and Lord of lords, the, the only Redeemer of man, And there's no doubt that this is a marvelous privilege. You could not estimate how high and honorable a privilege it was to meet with the Christ of God, the eternal Son of the Father, incarnate in human flesh, fairy God of fairy God on earth, and yet at the same time, very man of very man, the Son of God who became the Son of Man, infinite and eternal and unchangeable, the second person of the Trinity. You could not really imagine or estimate the importance of the moment that brings the paths of these two together, Christ in one hand, and these Pharisees on the other. There is this encounter. And I want to suggest to you that you have a similar experience every time you come to church. You enter this building, and you meet with someone that is much higher and loftier than any other person in this building. Friend, family, pastor, people, or even if the king himself we're here. You are meeting with Christ. He's everywhere present. We know that, for He's omnipresent. But He's especially present in His house where He's promised to dwell, where He congregates with His people at all the meetings. Just remember that familiar promise that He made in the Gospel of Matthew, where two or three are gathered together in my name. Where is he? There am I in the midst of them. That's where Christ is when his church comes together, whether it's for a worship service, a gospel service, a prayer meeting, when we meet together in the name of Christ, he is there in the midst of that gathering. We know that he walks, as Revelation chapter 1 tells us, in the midst of the candlesticks. And the candlesticks, we are told, are the churches That's where the Lord is. Christ is present. Present in a special way. Don't miss the reality. Don't feel the sense and feel the greatness of this occasion. Perhaps you will value the house of God more when you have this awareness about you. When you come to church, when you come to meet here, the Almighty God and the person of Christ is central There is a meeting that is taking place between us and him. You be extremely careful how you react when the Lord comes. You see, Jesus came into the parts of Dalmanutha, and these Pharisees came forth. There's a meeting that takes place. It may seem something very simple on the surface, but do not miss the solemnity of what is happening. Do not behave yourself like these men. When the Pharisees came forth, you might consider this to be something most amazing, such an honor, and of course it was. And when in our day we see men and women coming forth to Christ, as they attend church, as they meet with Him in worship and prayer, In the Word, in the preaching, what a high privilege it is. Do you see this? Do you understand the the preciousness of this hour that we're meeting just now? The Lord has come to stand in the midst of our gathering. That's where the risen Christ is. That's where his rightful place is. Jesus, we sang earlier, stand among us in thy risen power. And you might even get to the place where you're able to sing. Thus, with quickened footstep, we pursue our way, watching for the dawning of eternal day. It may very well be counted a great thing to read. And the Pharisees came forth. And it is. They came forth. They meet with Christ. They have this encounter with Him. But notice why they came. Not to listen, not to learn, not to love him, not to linger in his presence, but to tempt Christ. They saw a sign from heaven. The Lord had shown many signs. His, his free fame had spread abroad. All the mighty deeds that, that he had done were talked about. Had He not healed the sick? Had He not cast out devils? Had He not stilled storms and and fed thousands miraculously? Of course, He had. It seems that they were looking for even further proof. They were looking for some dramatic sign from heaven, like Elijah's day when the fire of God fell. In First Kings chapter eighteen verse thirty-eight. Remember when Elijah prepared the sacrifice and he poured the water upon the sacrifice, and then he prayed, and and the fire of God fell. And of course, the the, the sign of the, the true God was to be acknowledged by the fire falling. The Baalite prophets had prophesied all day, and they had prayed to their god, and they had cut themselves with lances, and nothing, nothing from heaven. No fire came. But now the fire of the Lord fell, proving that the Lord was Jehovah. And it seems as if these Pharisees are asking the Lord to do something like that. Let's see a sign from heaven, they say. The Pharisees tempted Jesus to perform a miraculous sign just as Satan asked the Lord to do wonders in the wilderness, you remember. They demanded a special sign. Jesus, it seems they say, You have done a lot of small miracles. I don't count any of the things that I've mentioned, the small miracles. They were mighty miracles. But it seems this was their thinking. Jesus, you've done a lot of small miracles. Come on up to the big stuff and show us something even mightier. We want to see a sign from heaven. There is this encounter with Christ. But I want you to notice, secondly, the response of Christ. Look at verse 12. He sighed deeply in his spirit. And saith, why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. How did Jesus respond to these men? He responded first of all with dissatisfaction. He sighed deeply in his spirit. Oh, the blessed Savior, think about it, sighed deeply. From the very depths of his heart comes this groan of sorrow and distress. Christ was amazed at their unbelief that these people were so hardened in their heart against him. No doubt the Lord was grieved. That his preaching and his miracles had had so little effect upon them. And all preachers are are grieved by this. We can't perform the miracles that Christ performed. But it does grieve preachers and and Christian workers whenever the the preaching of the Word goes forward and, uh, and men do not listen and they do not take heed to what is being said. Oh, the sorrow that floods our hearts on such occasions when, having preached and preached and preached with all of our hearts, only to see men rejecting the message of Christ and walking away without the Lord, we sigh in the depths of our souls when we detect the hardness and the stoniness of men's hearts. Then I think of the Lord Himself who visits On these Sabbaths, who comes and stands in in the midst of his people, and many other times when we gather in his name, does he not still sigh deeply? Does he not still groan in his soul because of the hardness and the coldness? Does he not groan in such times? with our inattentiveness to his word, our indecisiveness in obeying his truth. I'm talking to God's people now. Much of what I will say here, I believe is very powerful to the unconverted, but I'm talking to you, Christian. And I'm asking you just to sit up and listen for a moment or two. And I want to ask you, where is your heart right now, as you have this encounter with Christ, as the Lord comes and he stands in the midst of his people, as he is here today, where is your heart? Where are your thoughts? Where is your sole response to Christ and his word? Does the Lord sigh deeply in his heart when he sees our, our attitudes in the house of worship. I wonder what his response is to you and me this day as we are gathered in his presence. Is it one of gladness or is it one of groaning? As the Lord looked down upon you and me, not even so much, we speak in such terms about looking down for in glory, but remember he's in the midst as he looks across to you and me, looks into our hearts, he reads our thoughts, He knows how we're feeling in his presence. He knows how much we love him, how much we love his word. He knows the kind of response that we're giving to his word. Does he have a sense of gladness in his heart because we're receiving him well and receiving his word well? Or is he groaning? Because that's not the case. I'm sure the Lord also sighed here very deeply, knowing the doom and the destruction of these men. Even though they were enemies who had come to snare him and and to make him stumble if they could, Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit, mourning over their ruin, their eternal ruin that these men were bringing upon their own souls. Jesus could not look at them, hardening their hearts in unbelief without feeling a deep sense of sorrow in his soul. I wish I had more of that compassion, especially when I'm meeting with people that are so hard like these Pharisees and so antagonistic and people out there that all all they want to do is to be critical of Christ and his gospel, the church, whatever. When we look around us and we see the hardness and the rejection and the unconcern in men around us, knowing their destruction, knowing their eternal destiny, knowing that the fires of hell burn forever, do we groan within our spirits? Are we like Christ in our sighs, in our tears, in our sorrow and compassion? Do we feel anything at all Only you can answer that in your heart. I can't answer for you. You can't really answer for me. You know how you feel in your heart today. When was the last time that you groaned inwardly as you contemplated the doom and the destruction of sinners? When was the last time that you sighed in prayer and a tear fell from your eye to the ground as you wept over the loss? especially those that you know in your family and your friendship circle. Oh, how dry are our eyes. How dry are our prayer meetings, if we're honest. And so there is this dissatisfaction because of the hardness of these people and also because of the awful destiny that the Lord saw. Uh, He sighs. And then there is a question here that the Lord asks. Why does this generation seek after A sigh. He says this publicly to these men. What is it? What is it that you're looking for? What more can I do than I have already done? What miracle are you looking for? Do you think it's going to change your heart? Not a bit of it. No matter what else the Lord would do, it would not change the attitude of these men. What more can be done for you, poor sinner, in this meeting, to convince you to change your heart? Are you looking for a sign? Are you looking for a miracle? Are you looking for some great wonder to be performed? Has Christ not done enough for you already? He has been to the cross. He has wept. He has bled. He has died on Calvary's tree. He's borne your sin there. He has passed through the lowest hell on our behalf. Some sign and wonder is not going to change your mind if you will not believe in Christ through the message of the gospel. You can be certain about that because there is a declaration here. The Lord said, there shall no sign be given. Jesus refused to perform. His miracles were were not done to convince hardened sinners. Lord never did a miracle to convince hardened men. No, Jesus did miracles to show his power, the power of God in the context of mercy, that he is that merciful Christ and he's willing to, to do these miracles to help the individual. Don't we hear people say, show me a sign and I will believe? Utter nonsense, utter nonsense, thinking that if they saw some great miracle of healing, or some great miracle in nature, or somebody raised from the dead. I'll believe in Jesus then. Not a bit of it. Have they never read the gospel of Luke chapter 16? What Jesus taught there, the rich man down in the depths of hell in verse 27. He says, I pray thee, Father, that thou would send him, that's Lazarus, to my father's house. This beggar that sat at the gate begging. He was known to the rich man. He was known to the rich man's family. He was known to the rich man's community. He's dead. Lord, send him to my family if they see this great miracle. Lazarus raised from the dead, they're going to believe, isn't that? What we read here in verse 28, for I have five brethren, the rich man says, that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, they have the mighty power of the word of God. Let them hear what the Bible says. That's the convincing power. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. In other words, show us a sign. Give us this great miracle. And my my brothers back at home, no doubt, will come to know the Lord and they will repent. Verse 31, he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And the rising of an individual from the dead might be counted as one of the greatest miracles that has ever taken place, especially if that person is dead and buried, that they would rise again. And Jesus said, even if this mighty miracle of resurrection is done, your brothers will not believe if they won't believe the Bible. Do not pretend to know better than Christ. Do not pretend to have more knowledge than Christ. Jesus condemned the generation who sought for a sign and a sign he would not give. One final short point in verse 13. The withdrawal of Christ. Look at it with me, please. He left them. Entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. I find these words, personally, are saturated with intense solemnity and tragedy. Jesus left them. He got into the ship and he departed to the other side. You want to picture the same you want to watch the Savior depart from these Pharisees. Understand that he leaves them in all likelihood forever. Never to come back. Never to get this opportunity. Never to have another encounter with Christ again. And so sense the solemnity of the moment. Really, this is, this is the only encounter they're going to have with Christ. Christ. You be careful how you treat the Savior. You be careful what demand you put upon Him. Be careful about your arrogant pride and your your hardness of heart. Such sinners are in danger of Jesus leaving them and departing forever. There comes a day when Christ shakes the dust off from His feet, as it were, and He walks away. Think about what we read two chapters previously. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 11, and this is the Lord sending His disciples out, He said, "'Whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when ye depart, thence shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city.'" Can we not say that the very Christ of God who sent these disciples out to preach the word and instructed them, if the people don't receive you, if they don't hear you, and they reject your message, when you leave that city, you shake off the dust as a testimony against them that they have rejected me. And it's going to be worse for those terrible cities of sin, or for those people than for those terrible cities of sin when it comes to judgment day. Is it not true to say that Jesus likewise walks away, He leaves people, He departs, He shakes off the dust as He instructed His disciples to do? Christ will not always be near to save and redeem. There comes that moment in many a sinner's life when Christ walks away forever. After all the opportunities are given, after all the preaching has taken place, after all the seeking, He walks away you see that? Don't let it happen you. Am I speaking to someone in this meeting and you're going to be like these, these Pharisees? You're going to have an encounter with Christ. You're going to have a meeting with Him, but your heart is going to continue hardened in unbelief and Jesus is going to walk away from you forever. So that's why I'm saying you be careful what you do. If you know not Christ, he's here today, he's in the midst today, he gives opportunity for you to be saved today. Will you not come to him? Please do not harden your heart lest he walk away and walk away forever. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, there's so much to learn from the scriptures and passages like this when the Lord arrived at this different place these men came out to meet him they had a time in his presence they didn't have a good heart we know that they came tempting him they they came to find fault with him but still they had this meeting and it didn't change them and the end of the story is tragic because the Lord leaves them he leaves them And Lord, your word tells us my spirit shall not always strive with man. There comes a time when the Lord leaves individuals and he departs forever. Lord, if there's any in this service and they're not saved, their hearts have been hard against the Lord and they've been rejecting Christ all these years. Lord, may may they sit up and may they take stock. May they listen to what is being taught in your word today lest the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Savior, who can save them from hell's destruction, leaves them forever. Bring them to the foot of the cross. Bring them to Christ in salvation. And Lord, bring them now, this day, before it is forever too late. We ask in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. We'll sing two verses of our closing hymn. O sinner, the Savior is calling for thee, Long, long as he called thee in vain, he called thee when joy lent his crying to thy day as he, he called thee in sorrow and pain. <clears throat> seek you the Lord while he may be found Lord may men and women and young people obey the text and may they seek the Lord seek him now while he can be found while he is standing in our midst the risen saviour may they flee to him in repentance and faith come to know him as their saviour speak on as we Leave the house of God this day, this service. Speak on to every heart. Bring glory to Christ. For Jesus' sake. Amen.